What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldhead bible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. The men watched them as they worked. They talked to each other in angry tones and and they gave them all dirty looks. These men were not happy, thought Zerubbabel. And they looked dangerous. And he wondered if they might attack. But Zerubbabel and Joshua and the other men, they just kept right on working. They had to keep on working. And they had to keep on working hard and fast to build this new altar. And they had to complete it soon so that the returning people, all 50,000 of them, could begin to offer sacrifices on it to the one true God, Yahweh. Once again, to offer sacrifices to the one true God, Yahweh, in the promised land. But these men, these men did not look friendly. And the whole situation did not look good. The group of angry men got larger and louder. And then one of them started to walk over to Zerubbabel and his men working on the altar. Uh Uh-oh, thought Zerubbabel. Here comes a lot of trouble. The man touched Zerubbabel on the shoulder and Zerubbabel clenched his fist, ready to fight, and then the man said, Have you ever been scared? I mean, that's not what the man said, but I'm asking you, have you ever been scared? (laughs) Have you ever been frightened by other men, you know, or or frightened by other women or boys or girls to the extent that you thought they might want to hurt you? Well, if you ever have felt that way, then... (laughs) You know what Zerubbabel and the people of Israel felt like during this time. And in this story this week, we are going to look at how we can rely on God, especially in times of fear and anxiety. See, Zerubbabel had come a long way. 
He had come a good long distance, if you remember. They had left Babylon, and then they walked, and they rode, and they traveled as nearly 50,000 people, right? They, they, they traveled together for the next four months up the Fertile Crescent and then down the Fertile Crescent to finally arrive back in Jerusalem. And it was so good to be back. For many of them, they were excited to once again be in the promised land, the land given to their forefathers. It was good for this group of people to return home. They had finally returned. They were old men and old women by now, and they were finally back where their home was, where it all began. Well, there was another group of people others, including Zerubbabel, the prince of Judah, right? Where this was the first time they had been in the promised land because Zerubbabel, for instance, his name literally means born in Babylon. He was born in Babylon. He was not born in the land of promise. He was born somewhere in Iraq, Iran. That's where he was born, even though he was the prince of Judah. And this was his first time back. And so here was Zerubbabel, back in the land his parents had often talked about. The place he'd read about as a child and had heard countless stories of the the glory of Jerusalem. But as he looked around, the place did not look that glorious. In fact, it looked pretty run down. The city walls were destroyed. The grand temple no longer existed. I wonder if he wondered why. Why did he choose to go on this long journey? I mean, why didn't he stay back in Babylon, back in Persia, where it was safe and food was plentiful and where he could take a hot bath with his rubber ducky every day, you know? Why did he choose life-threatening Jerusalem? And why did he return with roughly 50,000 Jewish people. Why didn't he stay with the hundreds of Jews who decided to stay back home, which had become home, back in Babylon? Why did he choose to go? You know, no one really knows the motives of Zerubbabel and Joshua or of Ezra and later Nehemiah as to why they chose not to stay in comfortable Persia. But they didn't. Instead, they chose to suffer with the people rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. All I know is that they were called of God to return to rebuild Jerusalem and specifically to rebuild the temple and to repopulate the promised land. And here they are, Zerubbabel and Joshua. Here they are, the people of Israel, roughly 50,000 of them. And as one of their first acts, the people are trying to build an altar to worship Yahweh. Joshua, who would be the head priest, and Zerubbabel, who would later become the first regional ruler of Jerusalem, right? Joshua, the new head priest, Zerubbabel, the new head leader, as they came back to the promised land, they wanted to offer a burnt offering to the Lord. 
And it's interesting, that is what Moses, their forefather, commanded to be done in the book of Exodus, to offer a burnt offering to the Lord, wherever God may lead you. And, and they probably thought of Abraham, one of their other forefathers, who offered a burnt offering when he first arrived in the land of promise, when God called him out of Ur and to the promised land. And he didn't know where he was going. When he came to the promised land, the first thing he did was offer a burnt offering to the Lord. So I think in their mind, it was imperative that they did that as well. So they went about building an altar. Now, this altar was probably out of clay or dirt, and it, it would have been made out of the dirt of the earth, and blocks of earth would have been built up bit by bit into a large earthen mound. And there, the head priest, Yeshua, would take a lamb, properly prepared, kill it, let its blood run down from the altar, and then light it on fire, offering it as a burnt offering to the Lord. And that is what Yeshua was hoping to do. Once Zerubbabel and his men had completed building the altar, and it is interesting that this altar was built on the foundation where the first temple in Jerusalem used to exist. And so the men were busy hauling dirt, busy building the dirt mound of an altar. They were back in the land after a 70-year absence. But just as they were about to complete building this altar, just as they were about to start a fire and burn their offering, the first burnt offering to Yahweh for over 70 years, this group of angry men appeared. See, while the Jewish people were gone, the promised land, it didn't stay empty. In fact, it was now inhabited by a mixed variety of people. Some were Jews who had never left. Some were Persians who had come from Iran or Iraq and had been placed there by past Babylonian kings. Because that is what Babylonian kings loved to do when they conquered a territory. They brought their own people to inhabit this new land and to live and to build it up. And so... While here, they fell in love with some of the Jewish people who were already here, and then they ended up intermarrying with them, and then they had kids. And so while the Jews were gone, the area of the Promised Land had been filled with Persians, Jewish people, and then other people. As they all began to intermarry with each other and have children, this whole group of people became known in Jesus' day as the Samaritans. Well, the, these Samaritans were not happy that these Jewish people, this many, had returned in mass. They were not happy at all. So, these people who were already in the land tried to stop the work. And it says in the Bible that the Jewish people who had come back, that first migration of Jewish people from Babylon back to the Promised Land, those people... They were afraid of the Samaritans. They were afraid of the people already in the land. I mean, think about it. I'm the only Israelite with 50,000 others in a land full of people who are afraid I am going to take their lands, their houses, and their people. And these other people are mad, and, and they outnumber you by a vast majority. And so, guess what? You are rightfully afraid. But then you remember stories of King David 
Or you remember how God took care of Abraham or, or the prophet Elijah and you take heart and you keep on building. The man who touched your shoulder earlier wants to know what you're building and what is all the commotion over. And so you answer that you're building an altar to offer a burnt offering to the Lord. And then the man goes back to the mob he'd been talking to earlier. And they in unison seem to turn and scowl and grimace and begin to shout bad words. And, and then they begin to shout praises to their gods. Then they turn and leave. And everyone looks around. Whew, he gives a collective sigh. They're gone. And now the real party begins. Finally, the altar is built. And, and priest Yeshua offers the first burnt offering to Yahweh on that land for the first time in over 80 years. I mean, the last burnt offering was offered just after the first temple was destroyed in 586 BC. And now, 80 years later, it's being offered once again. You know, I think it's important that we remember that the people began in this story with praising and offering praise to God. You know, I think it's important to remember that revival and renewal in your spiritual life begins with a recognition of the central part God should play in your life. And when you worship him and when you praise him, in the middle of your suffering, in the middle of your fear, is in this case, when you reach out and praise him and offer thanksgiving to Yahweh, guess what? When you do that, you recognize that your life should be a continual worship of the Creator God. I mean, that's what Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, right? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And that's what we should do every day. And that's what the people did when they first came back to the land. They offered a sacrifice because they wanted to say, my life is worship. I am thankful for everything you have done for me. Praise God. And I hope that's the center of our life. Now, now the rebuilding of the temple could begin. Now, when you want to build a house, right, the first place you have to start with is the foundation. And so Zerubbabel and his men did just that. They began to build a foundation. They dug up the old foundations and laid down big boulders and big rocks in a large, deep hole. And, and they had to start with a solid base, right, to build up the walls and the roof of the temple from. So they dug dirt, they laid brick, they laid sand, and they slowly raised up the foundation. And when the foundation was completed, Joshua called for the priests to bring out the band and to play a hymn of praise to God. Joshua got a priest who played the trumpet, and then he found another priest who played the sackbut, and another priest who played the cymbals, and they began to play a song praising God. Now, the priest who played the bagpipes wanted to join in, but he wasn't allowed because, seriously, it's the bagpipes. But soon, music began to fill the air, and then the other priests who weren't playing an instrument, they began to sing. 
And they sang this phrase over and over again. For he is good, his faithful love to Israel endures forever. For he is good, his faithful love to Israel endures forever. Their voices and their melody rose as a hymn of thanksgiving to honor their God. And when the music, the melody, and singing filled the air, the people shouted for joy. Hurrah! Yeah! They could not hold back their excitement. The people yelled loud shouts of joy. Yes! Woohoo! Yes! We're building the temple. The foundation is laid. Music behind us. Beautiful music. People singing praise to God. People couldn't hold it in. They just shouted for joy. But then... There were the older boomers, negative Nellies, Debbie Downers, who they, when they saw this, they began to weep and wail and cry. They shouted in sadness and they cried out in mourning. Why? Because they remembered what the old temple used to look like. They remembered how beautiful that building was and how magnificent it looked. And they probably thought of the life they once had here in Jerusalem. And so they wept and cried. Oh, they wept and cried. And next to them, others shouted for joy. So joy and cry. And it all mixed together in a beautiful cacophony of sound that began to fill the air and it grew louder and louder until that strange sound of sadness and joy could be heard for miles. So the building of the new temple began under the leadership of Zerubbabel and Joshua. The people were working hard. They were sharing their money and resources to accomplish the task. There was peace and unity and things were going well. And then it all came to a screeching halt one year later. The people who lived there already, who occupied the place when the Jews had left, right? The Samaritans. That angry band of men that I mentioned earlier were able to stop all of the building and they stopped it sometimes with force i can imagine zerubbabel and the levite priests are working on a part of the new wall crafting stones chipping them out of the quarry hauling them up the temple mound when bonk a stone gets thrown at one of the workers heads bonk here, here comes another stone but but that came at a faster rate of speed and that could have killed him if it hit him in the right spot and then the men that angry band of men rode in on their horses and surrounded Zerubbabel and his workers and their commander he probably threatened them some more with words and violence and probably chucked a whole bunch of rocks at him so much so that work had to be shut down for the day and I can imagine Zerubbabel had to quit because all his workers ran back home afraid to do any more work it says in the Ezra 4 verse 4 that the people discouraged the men of Israel from working on the land and they hampered their progress on every turn and then came the other tactic I can imagine after a couple days of harassing the workers with death threats and physical acts of terror then those who opposed the building of the temple tried to stop it by being hired on as workers the Bible says they try to get Zerubbabel to hire them to help them build their temple. 
I can imagine the conversation probably went this way, you know. Hey, uh, Zerubbabel, let me work with you to build this temple to our God. Zerubbabel answers, our God? What do you mean, our God? Well, I've been serving Yahweh. You know, you guys aren't the only ones who worship Yahweh. Now, I can imagine when the guy said that, Zerubbabel was caught off guard for a little bit. Was it true that when they left, these people stayed behind and continued to worship Yahweh? Hey, says the man, when I was placed here by King Asar Haddon, he wanted us to continue to worship Yahweh. See, Asar Haddon was a Babylonian king who had once ruled the whole empire. Then I can imagine Joshua, you know, he nudges Zerubbabel, pulls them aside, and then says, Hey, yeah, they worshipped Yahweh. But ask him if they worshipped Yahweh alone. So Zerubbabel goes, Hey, hey, what other gods did you worship? Well, Yahweh was one of them, but, uh, but you know, so is the god Baal, and, and we like to worship the fertility goddess Oh, Asherah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes I like to throw in a little Moloch, you know? Psh, Zerubbabel shakes his head. And he turns to the man and he says, You want to help us? No. No, says the man. No, you cannot join us. Number one, you don't know Yahweh. Oh, and by the way, secondly, King Cyrus said that we have to do this thing alone without any help from the people in the land. Well, that's dumb, says the man. And I can imagine he picks up some rocks and he says, All right, men, start chucking rocks. And so the rock chucking began again in earnest that day. And every day, I can imagine there was probably an hour of rock chucking around four in the afternoon. At least that's when I would do it. The Bible doesn't say there was any rock chucking. But you know what? The Bible does say the people in the land harassed them and made their life difficult. And you know what? I think rock chucking at four in the afternoon every day would make your life very difficult to try to build this temple. And the local people tried to discourage them in any way they could find. But finally, finally, the people of the land, the Samaritans, were able to make the building of the temple come to a screeching halt. Finally, they found a way, got them to stop building. After a year of hard work, it came to a screeching halt. How? What tactic, what brilliant maneuver or plan of attack did they use? You know what they did? It's called fake news. Since none of their physical maneuvering worked, they did the only thing left. They spread fake news. They wrote a long letter to the king of Babylon, who was Artaxerxes by this time, and, and they wrote this letter accusing the Jewish people of trying to incite violence and insurrection by rebuilding the city of Jerusalem. Here is the letter that they wrote, the fake news that they tried to spread. <clears throat> Let it be known to the king that the Jews who came from you have returned to us at Jerusalem. They are rebuilding that rebellious and evil city, finishing its walls and repairing its foundations. Let it now be known to the king that if that city is rebuilt and its walls are finished, 
they will not pay tribute, duty, or land tax, and the royal revenue will suffer. Since we have taken an oath of loyalty to the king, and, and it is not right for us to witness his dishonor, we have sent this letter to inform the king that a search should be made in your predecessor's record books. In these record books, you will discover and verify that the city is a rebellious city, harmful to kings and provinces. There have been revolts in it since ancient times. That is why this city was destroyed. We advise the king that if this city is rebuilt and its walls are finished, you will not have any possession west of the Euphrates. Signed, Shimshai and Rehum. Two cool names. Well, King Artaxerxes gets the letter in the mail, and then he looks in the record books, and he, he looks at the history of Jerusalem and what had occurred there. What he found was that they were right. Many times the people of Jerusalem did not pay their taxes, and they often tried to overthrow the government. And so King Artaxerxes wrote this nice letter back. Greetings, Shimshai and Rehum. The letter you sent us has been translated and read in my presence. I issued a decree and a search was conducted. It was discovered that the city has had uprisings against kings since ancient times and there have been rebellions and revolts in it. Powerful kings have also ruled over Jerusalem and exercised authority over the whole region west of the Euphrates River and tribute, duty, and land tax were paid to them. Therefore, issue an order for these men to stop so that this city will not be rebuilt until a further decree has been pronounced by me. See that you not neglect this matter, otherwise the damage will increase and the royal interests will suffer. Ezra 4, 17-22 Signed, Art. Artaxerxes. I think he shortened it. Signed, Art. And so, two men, one named Shimshai, and one named Rehum, who had written the letters, guess what? They went to Zerubbabel with a big smile on their face. They went to Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel was probably working hard, sawing something or lifting something, working hard at accomplishing some task to rebuild the temple when Shimshai and Rehum, they come up to him, and they stuck up piece of paper in his face. Read it! Read it! You have to stop work immediately. What? said Zerubbabel. Probably put down his saw. Read the letter. And he saw for his own eyes. These men were right. The biggest, baddest king on the planet the man in charge of this whole region had told Zerubbabel and Joshua and the men working on the temple to stop. And the building of the new second temple stopped. And it would not begin again, get this, for another 18 years years. What? It stopped and it wouldn't start building again for another 18 years? Why was that? 
Why couldn't they keep on building after a year of wrangling back and forth, maybe a year later, two years later, five years, 18 years later? Why would it stop? Why would the work on the temple be stopped for 18 years? What would stop them for over 18 years from doing the work of God? Well, you got to come back next week to find out, don't you? It'll be interesting. And if you want to read ahead, read the book of Ezra. But it's exciting to find out what stopped the work of God. But know this, the work of God may have been slowed down and it may have been stopped for a time. But God will accomplish his will and he will take care. And notice, like I said, these people were harassed. These people are picked on. You know, these people were working under death threats, but they went ahead and worked hard for a year anyway. And God protected them and God looked after them and God watched over them. And I just want to encourage you, keep doing what is right. No matter what your circumstances say, keep pressing forward. Don't stop for 18 years like these people. Don't let discouragement stop you forever. They may stop you for a little bit, Pick yourself back up. Begin by worshiping God, right? Then keep moving forward. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.